Hello and welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'll have these moments where sometimes I'll be like, no one listens to the podcast, no one cares. And then there'll be like one DM or somebody will say something like, oh, I heard about this from my friend. And I'm not kidding, it makes my entire week. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing it with your friends. I'm so happy that anyone out there likes it. With that said, this week's guest is Daniel McCartney, who came from band world. He started a band, he toured forever, really did the thing, and then made a crazy pivot and became a booking agent and is now a very successful booking agent at UTA, United Talent. So we talk a lot about that and just kind of like what it took to actually make that career pivot, which is always something that I'm super interested in. On top of that, he recently started a nonprofit called the Continuance Foundation, which is all about mental health specifically for artists and touring musicians. And it's something that I've wanted to talk about. I think mental health is extremely important and I haven't really covered it too, too much on the podcast. So when he started this, I thought it would be just the perfect time to talk about that subject and for him to talk about what he's doing. I think it's really cool. So with all of that said, it was a great episode. I really hope you like it. Let's get into it. Back again. Where are all my friends? This week with Daniel McCartney. And this is going to be a cool one for a couple of reasons. Not only does he have a great story, he comes from band world, he's done a lot of different things in the music industry, but we also have a bit of a specific subject to talk on, which is like mental health and what you've done to help your peers with that. So I'm really excited for this. You have a lot of valuable information to share. Um, So there's that. Uh, If anybody is Thanks for having me on, dude. Yeah, dude. Seriously, I'm so stoked. We've been talking about this for a while. I wanted to do it in person, but you know what? That's fine. We can do it over Zoom. Works out just as well. I have my new YouTube set up too, where you can watch it. And we have our little boxes. So it's oh nice. Yeah, it'll be good. But um I love it. If anybody doesn't know who you are, just super briefly before we get into your full story, just who you are and what you do. Yeah. So um thanks for having me again, dude. Um big fan of the podcast and I love what you're doing and the hustle you're showing if it's bizarre time. Um, I'm Daniel McCartney. I'm a music agent uh, at UTA. Um, Pre-COVID, that was, you know, a music touring agent. Now it's all things music, everything, you know, podcasting, merchandise. Um, Obviously, people see the virtual streaming and the drive-in shows, which, you know, is a discussion in and of itself that we could go on about. Yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, you know, I, I... Played in a band for six years. Um, played in a band called Gideon, a heavy metal band, and you know that's I think how we know each other in some sense because you were at um, Royal Division. That's right. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and we were signed to Equal Vision, who I think still owns Royal Division. But yeah, um, yeah dude. I, you know, I toured for. I graduated in 2010. I guess I'm actually old now. Um, are getting there. I graduated in 2010, went on tour immediately, toured until 2016. Um, so four years ago, almost five. And uh, signed to Face Down Records, had a couple records on Face Down, signed to Equal Vision Records, um, where we met you, and um, ended up leaving and going to work at the agency group, become an agent, was an assistant, ate total shit for years, um, which is what assistance that talent agencies do um and then got promoted a couple of years ago and i've been building my roster ever since 
Yeah. So, um, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, like, I think that's cool. And I think there's a lot of pieces that I want to dig into here. Um, I mean, the story of like growing up playing music in a band, like that's one that a lot of us are familiar with, but every now and then you definitely talk to the people that went from bands to more of the music industry side of it. And that's always an interesting one for me. Like I came from touring world and kind of went onto the industry side as well. And I think that there's like a certain mindset, like it's kind of comes from being like the business person of the band, whatever that is. I think a lot of the people that listen to this podcast, maybe they didn't play in bands or maybe they are the artist that is like the business minded person. So that's why, like, I feel like there's going to be a lot of uh, similar mindset and things to talk about just in that. So for that 100%, reason, I'm dude, I've, I've been saying uh, um, one of my new sayings is just like, you know, the, the guys that all the people that come from the men and women that come from the realm that we come from warp tour and you know, the scene and, uh, whatever, indie rock alternative, whatever you want to call it yeah. are all, they all make great business people yeah. because back then when I was in a band, it was, there wasn't a lot of money to be made, you know, in that exact realm when I was in the band. And so you make a dime go really far and you have to be really resourceful in everything you do from music videos to, you know, recording your album to, you know, going on tour, all that stuff, you know, sleeping at people's houses and stuff. And well, dude, it's crazy. Now they they make great business people. Exactly. Because you, you don't realize it in, in the moment when you're on the road, especially on any kind of DIY level, you're just, it's like survival, right? Like you believe in something, like you're passionate about your music, your art, you're out on the road, you're trying to get as many people to understand it as possible. You're trying not to die, so you need to eat food and sleep somewhere and you have very little resources, right? Like I think the, it's very common that you're lucky to get a hundred bucks a night if you're touring in a band, like opening it, you know, door deals and a hundred dollars a night is something that people are all too familiar with. And that doesn't go too far, especially when you're touring with a band of five people or whatever. So you live that life, it becomes the normal. And then you go into like real life and you realize like, wait a minute, I was really scrappy and I learned how to make a lot of things work and all of these like logistics and understanding promotion and business and probably having to be the one that does the finance and all these things are like, wait, I can just apply this to life and it's with much more resource and there's people that can help me. Like, so that it's, it's really interesting how touring 100%. in a van can become college of life uh so take I, me it's back. so funny it's so funny that you say that real quick sorry yeah, yeah please please uh, i always say that my college was being in a band i never yes. went to college yep. right so every time i talk to the gideon guys i'm like guys like you guys were like my school teachers like in some weird sense like i when when i when an artist comes to me i always my goal as an agent is always to be able to be like even if it's not really like in my wheelhouse or like uh, my quote unquote responsibility as an agent, I like to be able to just help them. You know what yeah. I mean? And put them, Oh, you want to, you know, know of a podcaster. Here you go. You want to know of a video producer or uh, a TV show producer. Here you go. Like the various different aspects that all the musicians are kind of hitting now. And that's exact. that comes from being in Gideon. That comes from being in Gideon being like, well, you know, we have to stay here on this off day. And like, what are we going to do the next morning to make it to the next show? How do we get our money to make it there? You know what I mean? So it's really cool. Yeah, dude, it's exactly that. And like, by all means, like it's it's interesting for me to talk on education because if you're chasing a 
professional career path that requires college or education, like, dude, go in, go for it. But I think more so now than ever, like real life experience and practical application and throwing yourself into an, an uncomfortable situation of fight or flight to make it work, you later on realize just how much that teaches you or how impressive that is when you're in a meeting or you're like having to figure these like real life scenarios out and people are like, wait, you can just do all that? And they're like, I, I, yeah, I guess. So I, I'm a big proponent of throwing yourself into situations and letting things become the college of life. Um, but with that small tangent, take me briefly into band days. Uh, just paint that picture of like how you found the band, uh, where you were living and what that looked like for you kind of finding music and playing in a band to start your career. Totally, dude. Um, it's really funny, actually. Um, there is a podcast out there. Um, I never was like, you know, a, an avid listener, but some of the guys in Gideon loved it. It's called Shit Town. Um, and it was a really, really big podcast. And it is about Green Pond, Alabama, which is where our practice space was. <laughs> no way. <laughs> swear, swear on my life. Me and, uh, you know, me and the drummer, Jake, who I think you may know or met. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we started the band, you know, in high school. I mean, I was, uh, probably 17 and we would go to class, go to school Monday through Friday, leave on Friday, drive to Atlanta, Georgia, play or Douglasville, Georgia, and play at a place called the seven venue at the time we would drive to Chattanooga and play the warehouse and, you know, come back on Sunday or whatever. And that's, we just hustled it out. Um, completely scrappy. Like we were all like Southern guys, honestly, they yeah. still, I mean, we, you know, I'm still a Southern guy, you know? Yeah. Um, and we really, and truly looking back, sometimes I'm like, not as if I ever really experienced like any kind of like true success. I mean, it was all pretty scrappy, but at the same time, I'm like, it is pretty insane where I came from. Uh, in that moment to be able to even like get to the point of like signing a record deal, you know, that was tough in and of itself. And yeah, so, um, we signed a record deal when I was, I think 19, um, left on tour two weeks after I graduated high school and just trucked it, dude, just toured for six years straight, put out records, wrote, you know, toured all over the world, Japan, Australia, um, New Zealand, Europe, Canada, Mexico, the US, pretty crazy. Yeah. And like, just to paint that picture, because not that it was like so, so, so long ago, but it was a slightly different time just in the sense of like, what, what year was it that you first signed that deal? This would have been, I graduated 2010. It was probably 2011. Okay. So like, I think discovery on YouTube was early. There was MySpace, all of that. Like for being in the genre you were, like Warp Tour was the place to get discovered. Slightly different than now of like more so solo artist, independent, find yourself, get found on SoundCloud or TikTok. Like it was a different hustle. And I think the internet was absolutely powerful, but it just wasn't like you had to be out there, like you said grinding and playing those shitty venues and like all of that. Like, I felt like that was really a part of it. What, like, is it, is it too vague just to call Gideon like hardcore? Like what would you have? 
No, I don't think it's too vague. Whatever. Heavy metal. I always say yeah. heavy metal, hardcore. It had like whatever. a very Southern, like it was like heavy. Like it was a vibe. It was, it's a, yeah, the band is definitely like, even over the, since I left in 2015, I mean, they've gotten heavier and heavier. So, yeah. um, you know, it's more, you know, for fans of, you know, barrier dead and throw down and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it was kind of cred too. Like if you knew Gideon, it was Super like, cred. all right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but with that, like, I guess the reason I wanted to paint that picture is just the hustle of growing a band like that in that time was slightly different. Were you, were you like the business person of it? Were you kind of like the finesser and the one that would book the early shows and the, that? Yeah. Yeah. In the early days, it was funny. A lot of people don't even know this, but we actually had a different vocalist at first, a guy uh, named Scooter Lee, really good dude from uh, um, Alabama. And I still know him, but um, he was the vocalist and he, he, you know, at first he was a little bit more of a businessy. And then we parted ways and we got Dan who at the time was playing in the advocate, which was a sick band, super heavy band. And, um, yeah, he came on and I kind of just naturally, it really wasn't like I was assigned it. I just, I think this just happens when you're a band, you just kind of, you're the one that thinks of, you know, Hey, like we, let's book some shows and like, Oh, I'm going to reach out to managers. And at the time it was, you know, MySpace was still a thing, of course. Yeah. Um, but you know, there, I still, to this day, remember getting after we signed a record deal, maybe a year or two in, I guess, um, you know, Jason Dunn, who owns Face on Records, emailing me and telling me what Spotify was and telling yeah. me that he was going to put our music on the platform. You know, so it was much different way of becoming noticed. And yeah, album remember, sales mattered. Yeah, so much. It, Holy which is, shit. Now it's like streaming is everything. Yeah. You know, for the most part. Yeah. Um, I still remember like burning CDs with our EP on it and making like, custom cover art yeah like we did cover art and just like printed them on these little like i don't even remember like plastic coverings or whatever i totally and just, like, giving them out yeah. yeah you know dude i love that and again it comes back to everything we said of like i think that if you have that innate hustle in you that it doesn't matter right now if it's SoundCloud, Spotify, TikTok, or if back then it was handing out physical CDs, just learning about Spotify, MySpace, Facebook, and playing shows. Like when you are passionate about finding and like succeeding in what you love, you just come to understand every possible way to promote it and to get discovered and to be a part of that community. And it sounds like you really just did that. Yeah, it was any anything to, you know, we were um, playing shows a ton and making friends with bands. And we had a lot of bands over the years that really helped us, you yeah. know. Um, but we were good to them. If we opened up to, you know, opened up for a band, we always made sure like we were like, you know, the ideal band to open up for. Super easy. We didn't sound check for 75 minutes. We didn't go over our set. We didn't eat all their catering. Like we were, we wanted people to feel like taking us out was fun, you know? And I think over time that was, that ended up being a big proponent. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good thing to talk about too, is like the etiquette along with that. Like right now, well, right now nobody can tour, but how important that is, that lesson of treating people like people. And like, there was definitely the bands that kind of got a name for being entitled or being like just too cool or like rude to people. 
and they'd still have success, but then you'd have the bands where they would like take the time not to be too cool and to, to really just have that great touring etiquette. And I think not only was there more success now, as we look back on it, there's lifelong friendships that have paid off in the craziest ways. Oh, dude, absolutely. To this day, I'm friends with all the guys that I toured with, you know, I mean, um, and I get to, you know, when pre COVID I'd see them, a lot of them live here in LA and I would see them around at shows and stuff. And it's, those are relationships that I may talk to those guys twice a year, some of them, but every time I see him, it's such a blast and it's like a reunion, you yeah, know? Yeah. So the relationships there were, were so important. And them knowing like we were so grateful that they had, you know, because we, I always say as a headliner, sure, there's, you know, politics that are involved in putting together a tour lineup, but also as a headliner, in some sense, you're signing off on the bands that you're taking out, you yes. know, publicly, you're, yeah. you're saying I endorse these bands, even if my manager made me endorse them. Yeah. I, I allowed this, you it's know, true. Um, yeah. So we always just made sure that they knew how grateful we were for that. And that, that really helped our friendships and business. Yeah. I think that's a cool lesson. Like that's not at all to make this like too deep about me, but when I did like the version three tour and I did those early tours of a lot of my friends, like family pet, 93 feet of smoke, Shinigami garden, all that they hadn't toured before. And I felt this like big brother responsibility to be like, yo, like we're all internet friends. We're all in-person friends. But like when you go out on the road, you take care of each other and you're good to everyone. And like, just that etiquette. Like I really, I don't know what it is, but I feel a deep passion about keeping that going uh, because touring isn't as necessary now. But like when it happens, I'm like, everybody has to be good to each other. It's important. Oh, it's super important, dude. When you're out there, it's like you're, you're, you know, a lot of them, especially if you were doing the touring, there's certainly like a sense of luxurious touring, of course, but it, especially if you were in the, the, the kind of scrappy touring realm that we were in, yeah. like you're not sleeping very much, you know, it's like a lot of them are, you know, drinking every night and some abusing drugs, some, you know, just frustrated every day because they have to carry their gear. And shit. I mean, it's just like, you know, it's like being with your brothers every single day and every day, you know, learning, learning how to not be selfish was like a huge lesson, you know, because if you can be the guy that everyone wants to be around, you know, it's, it's also easier on you, you know, because you're having very non-confrontational conversations all day. Yes. So. It comes back to the college of life and it's an important lesson in the curriculum. Um, I want to cover a lot in this podcast. So I think that paints the picture of Gideon days to a degree. Um, another point, like a turning point in your life that I'm curious of is Gideon had success. Like, the the era that you're painting, what you're talking about, the band was doing well enough where you guys were touring very successfully. You were a desirable band to have on tours or headline. Like, it was a very real thing. What happened in your head where you're like, yo, you know what? I want to go eat shit as an assistant of an agent. Especially, yeah, I didn't realize that you had, were a founding member of Gideon. That seems like a really scary thing to walk away from, and that's quite a life pivot. It was, it was, you know, I was very, very fascinated with the business side. I love the business of performing arts. I love it. You know, and when I first started, when I first, you know, kind of made the decision, like I want to be an agent, my mentality was very much so it's kind of funny to say now because we're in COVID, but my mentality at the time was 
you know, you can't really and truly replace a live show. You can't replace the smells, the feeling, the, um, the energy in the crowd, you know, whereas at the time too, you know, um, the record industry hadn't quite bounced back with streaming and they were still just devastated with, you know, pirating music. So at the time it was very like, this is a very, very good, um, kind of angle in the music industry. And I still believe it is. So it's just ironic that a pandemic is one of the only things that can actually wipe touring out. Um, Dude. which is crazy. Um, but yeah, it was scary, you know, but at the time I was booking, you know, I had a, I had a company called the action agency. It was like a boutique little agency. Um, I had two or three agents that worked with me and I was booking, you know, 30 bands. Um, and I was already really in it. And I had, I had slowly started to shift my passion to being, you know, helping develop bands. It was exciting to me. Um, and, you know, I attribute pretty much most of my journey towards what I learned being in a band. But I was ready when I moved, you know, and I knew it was going to be a battle. But I also knew when I moved to L.A. that I needed to learn from, you know, guys like Dave Shapiro, who I worked for for a year and a half and, I worked for Cheryl Pagliarani, who you know represents Post Malone and um, Twenty One Savage, and all these guys, and and you know I learned a lot, and um, that's that was the point. And then when I got promoted, I was more well rounded. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, only coming from a world of knowing how to book heavy stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I, my tastes had had grown over time. I like that a lot. I have a question specifically there because I think that anytime we challenge ourselves to take on like a whole new life role or to like step outside of our comfort zone. There's that like innate initial feeling where you're like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. I'm not qualified. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. Did you have any moments when you were an assistant and you're working under like some pretty respected names where you almost bailed or where you felt like you just like couldn't hang or you kind of like had to like power through or were there any like pieces of motivation that got you through that like dude absolutely you know it's funny is the first i always attribute the first agent that i worked for and the one that brought me out to la and gave me my job was dan rosenblum who's just a fantastic dude now owns his own agency with jj kassir and matt pike and 33 and west and um when he brought me out uh you know Again, I was booking bands, but I didn't really know how to be like an assistant, yeah. to be honest, which is yeah. com a completely different role. Um, and Dan ended up uh, not being a, leaving the company, you know, maybe four months after I had gotten there. So I was kind of thrown into working for Dave Shapiro. And I remember kind of feeling like um, in a way that I wasn't really ready for it. And to be honest, I really wasn't. And I wasn't. Shapiro and I joke about it now because I'm like we're friends. So I'm like, I wasn't really that good of an assistant, you know. And over time, though, I, like I learned the trade. I was just like, kind of like, well, I guess I'm doing this, and I gotta like learn on the, you know, learn on the fly. Yeah. Um. But dude, absolutely, you know, especially as an assistant, there's something about, you know, I feel for assistants so much because there's something about that, that respect that you have for yourself, but you want other people to have that respect for you and the truth is they're not going to have it immediately because it's it's just the revolving doors it's turns too much so i think like for new people to come into a company like i think the best utilization of their time is to realize like 
you know, like I need to put my head down and just like work for now. And like people will, will begin to respect me as I build relationships and show them that I'm here for the long run, you know? And that was like one of the big things for me. I was, I was terrified of failing, especially after like ditching being in a band and moving. I got, I'm like, I could get fired, you know, two months in because I'm not good at this, you know? And that was scary. But I think over time you, you begin to gain these people's respect. And, and over time I started to realize like, okay, this is, this is, this works for me, yeah. which I'm really grateful for. No, that's cool. I just, I like to talk about those moments because I really do like to encourage people when they have that feeling, whatever that feeling is of like, damn, maybe like my gut is telling me that I should chase this. This is an instinct. Whatever that is, like it's easy to have that feeling, but then to to act upon it and then to have the patience and the perseverance to just power through and do what it takes can be really scary but now seeing you as a as an example of what happens when you brave the storm and make it through is cool and that's kind of the next piece that I wanted to talk about is like you clearly made it through being an assistant you are now your own agent and even like to my surprise i think the last time we saw each other in person was had to have been I mean, several, several months ago, maybe beginning of 2020, but we all got dinner before a show and I'm sitting there and you're talking about your roster and I'm like, what the fuck? Like you really (laughs) kept your head down and out of nowhere had like a very respectable roster. And that's that shit that I do like, like, it's so cool (laughs) to see those people that just stay quiet. And then you kind of like check in and you're like, oh. Oh, you're, you're killing it. You're doing it. So this is my second where I'm really gassing you up and I want you to sweet brag, but tell me about your roster right now and tell me about your clients and tell me about what that looks like. Cause you really branched out far from just guy in hardcore band. You work with a lot of different genres now. Dude, you know, it's so cool because I was, it's so interesting how I was able to take the knowledge that I had being in a band like we were talking about and applying it to a realm of like hip hop and pop and alternative rock and indie rock and whatever it may be, because it's given me so many more ways to be involved with the, you know, the representation that I have. Um, It's given me so many more ways to be involved in, in their lives and help them, you know? So everything from, you know, I have uh, clever who I'm, I'm super excited about who, just signed a Post Malone's label. He signed a Post Deco through Republic. Super excited. You know, I've got everything from stuff like that to, you know, Danny Lay, who has three platinum singles at Def Jam. Um, I represent this really cool alternative rock band called Honey, who I, I love. Um, great band on Epitaph Records. Um, I represent Fora. I've got some R&B stuff. I've got, you know, a, uh, a YouTuber music, um, a YouTuber musician named Scotty Sire, who is has a you know did 30,000 tickets last year um it's really cool man it's diverse you know it's like for me when i dove into like actually building my roster i'm like i'm not gonna limit this like i know what i'm passionate about and i know what i like and i trust my ear i'm just gonna go for it you know and i've got so many cool acts you know i've been developing this kid arrested youth for um i don't know seven or eight months and he is just he's so amazing you know and like that realm of um, being able to work on that, but then also like I work for young thug, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm not, it's not as if like me and thug are talking every day, but like I'm on his team and I help and I've, you know, we've hung out a couple times and like, that's amazing. Experience, I didn't know that, bro. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's cool, man. It's, 
you know, I was able to, I have to give a shout out to one of my mentors is Mike G and uh, also David Zedek over at UTA who have put me in a position that like, I really like at times was like, I don't know why I deserve this, but like, I'm going to dive in and thank you for the opportunity. And like, it's, it's been able to like, you know, for me to get in there and like kind of be like serve as like, you know, the, the grinder and like on the floor and like dealing with all that stuff and like feeling a need because every team needs someone that like is on the phone every day with them. You know, like it, it, it's just half the time communication is everything with the talent agency. You know, you can be doing a million things, but if your client has no idea that any of it's happening, they think you're sitting on your ass, you know? So, so for me, it was like communication, working, you know, being mentored by great agents at UTA. And yeah, like I get to work on cool stuff like Young Thug and David Zedek has me. Um, I represent, uh, um, she's, she's an English pop singer, but she comes from the K-pop world. Her name is Amber Lou. She was in um, a band called FX, which is, you know, was a, a gigantic K-pop band. Um, and it's like being able to learn that side of it is like amazing because it's like, the growth potential of it is gigantic, but at the end of the day, it's all still, um, everyone builds differently, but like, there's still like a touring business and some capacity for all of them. So it's not out of my wheelhouse and I'm able to learn it and I'm able to apply that, but also learn new stuff. So it's, it's cool, man. That's dope. Specific question there, as you've now started working in just about every genre, have you run into any challenges or like do deals look different? Like on a, on a, on a day-to-day level, if you're negotiating deals, if you're booking a tour, have you run into any specific challenges? Like where you're like, Oh wait, this is very different for hip hop or K-pop or pop. There's a lot of different, um, you know, one thing I will say is in the, in the hip hop realm, which Mm -hmm. I really had to learn like on the fly was, um, after parties are way bigger. Like it's a bigger thing. And the tough part about it is, is maintenancing that, you know, in the after party world of playing at clubs at three in the morning and that kind of thing is more what I'm talking about. It's, it's great because they can make a lot of money, but at the same time, you know, for example, when we had young thug on the J Cole tour, I worked on young thugs after parties on the tour, but you also have to be respectful of, you know, for J Cole, it's like, we're not going to put up an after party in Dallas, Texas, if the arena in Dallas isn't sold out yet. So there's a lot of like different aspects of like trying to maintenance, like, you know, making sure young thug meets um, a quota for budget purposes, but also like learning like, okay, you know, uh, in this city, you can't do this, this city, you can't and tell it him, you know, relaying that to him. Oh, um, yeah. Like was, almost like uh, learning the etiquette of it. Yeah. Learning the etiquette of it. Exactly. And knowing like what's, what's appropriate and like, you know, being respectful to all parties. Cause obviously thug like in cold just hit it off and they've known each other for a long time, but it's like, you know, they, they, they want to make sure that we're being respectful too. Like thug is going to want to make sure we're being respectful to the cold state. So right. that was one thing. And then to be honest, dude, like it's uh it's a lot of similar business. I think it's just like the way that it goes down and like everything is a different build. Right. So like for honey, I love this band. One of just one of my favorite personal bands. Um, they've had this kind of steady growth over years, right? You know, whereas now it's like a song can go viral on TikTok and your song is platinum in 48 hours, right? So it's like 
there's a different build, but at the end of the day, like Honey has a very respectable career, continues to grow. Some people immediately go right here and then have to like catch up and figure out how to stay here yeah. and how to sustain that. And, you know, I think like every genre kind of in a sense, like, um, is applicable. It's like, you know, a lot of the pop and hip hop stuff is kind of prone to like have that song just like that. Yeah. Um, a lot of the alternative rock stuff, which I love, you know, this band, I represent this band called the score who just put out a record. Um, and that band's, you know, been streamed billions of times has a gigantic sync business and it just keeps growing over years. And it's like so rewarding to see, you know? So I think for me, it was like seeing the different ways that the different artists can grow and like the patterns is so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. So the next question that I have as far as talking to the agent version of yourself, and this is kind of like a hypothetical, but Obviously, everything is different right now because of COVID and everybody has had to get really creative. But I have this this question of you as an agent, if you had an artist come to you totally down to do anything you asked, what like what is your perfect world right now, right? Like you need to figure out ways to make your artists money. Everybody's trying to figure out new ways to adapt. You have an artist that has a following, they're popping, whatever. And they're just down to work with you and take any of your advice. What are some of the things right now that you are like big on people doing or like in a perfect world, what would an artist be doing for you if you're their agent? Great question. So a couple of things. First off, it starts with that willingness to do anything. You know, it's, it, it starts with the willingness to do anything within your artist's integrity, right? So like some artists, you know, they understand like I'm going to compromise my artist's integrity, integrity if I do this. So I'm not going to, and I completely understand. Yeah. Whereas some artists, you know, they might have a little bit more of a willingness to do whatever. Right. So right now I think there's a, it's a great time to focus on the publishing business is, is huge. Um, if you don't have a record deal, I think finding a, a record deal partner that you can, you know, own your masters, um, is an, is an amazing Avenue. And if they do own your masters, um, they're, kick and ask for you. That's a big one. Um, I think e-commerce is bigger, you know, bigger than ever. Like online stores, people are still buying merchandise, you mm-hmm. know, and um, in cohesion with the virtual shows, you can bundle it um, with uh, tickets for the virtual shows, which is great. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I've had, you know, six or seven artists do podcasts. You know, I, I think it's a great space where like, some like for example i had uh the score on tea with gary v and oh, tea with gary v is a is a segment where like super super early in the morning he just yeah. like chats and but he has artists come on oh i'm a fan and the score he, came uh, on and yeah, yeah he had awesome. ty verdes who was a guest on this show on and i saw i was like <sighs> yep yeah yep. Huge yep. Fan i mean i've had a couple actually that i think i had nicole bus did it the score did it taylor bennett did it um it's clever did it. It's been, it's been super cool. Um, but dude, to be honest, man, like I think right now content is king. like, it's just like, you know, all that stuff is great. But at the end of the day, like one thing that is being received is new content. At first it wasn't at first. I feel like it was kind of weird. Everyone was checked out. Everyone was panicking. Now it's like, people are of course still panicking in some sense, but like, I think that people are a little bit more prone to receive content right now than they were, you know, six months, six, seven months ago when this thing really first started. Yeah. Um, 
but it's a balance of like, you know, how much of that is actually revenue driving, you know, and like finding a way to drive revenue, keep your artist integrity, try new things, work on your awareness, you know, on your social networks. Obviously, like TikTok is like gigantic right now. Yeah. I have a couple artists who have shifted to just making awesome content on TikTok for now. You know, I have this artist, Jade Nova, who's an R&B singer who um, has a great touring business, um, great music. And she's now just so hysterical on TikTok all the time. And it's, it's cool. Like, I think it's making us all use different parts of our brains, which is the most important part. Is like, because on the other side of this, people can come out of COVID-19 quarantine knowing, oh, well, I have all these other new businesses in line with my business. And now I have even more ways to drive revenue and, and awareness. Yeah, you know? I, so, I like that. And I also think like, I can't help but think that as an agent, when touring comes back, you'll have a lot more leverage for your artists if they have been just making a ton of content and doing all of these things. Because then when everyone is trying to get into rooms and all these tours are coming together, you at least have leverage to be like, yo, my artists stayed relevant for all of 2020. They did this, 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 and this. And I have like numbers to back the fact that they stayed growing. That's me speculating Absolutely. a little bit, but... No, it's, you're exactly right. I mean, you know, in a sense, I think I've been saying this, I think that there'll be a general sense of, um, uh, I think people will be a little bit more understanding if you did, weren't putting out content. I think it's a time for everyone to not be hard on musicians and not be hard on themselves. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, there's a general sense of like, people will probably come out of, you know, come out of the hole or whatever and like start putting out music. And I think it'll be received well, but like, it certainly says something if you were able to like, you know, stay on your feet the whole time. I yeah. mean, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, for sure. Um, so then to kind of change gears again, as far as another project that you've been working on that I really do want to talk about, and it's more relevant than ever right now, is the Continuance Foundation which is very, very big on helping musicians and artists with mental health. And I think for everyone in the music industry, this year has been a whirlwind of just like so many emotions, so many changes, so much to keep up with. You and I both came from a touring world. Like I know we have friends that like their whole lives are touring. So to change that so quickly and have everything like it can take a toll on you and i want to know a lot more about the continuance foundation we talked about it a little bit but i i feel like that's kind of where your head was at when you started to put it together but this is your episode and i just i want to hear about that i'm really interested dude thanks man and it's really really important and uh you know i'm just super thankful guys like you will help spread awareness on it so thanks um, dude yeah so the Continuance Foundation, you know, funny enough, I remember this has been something that I've been mowing around and researching for quite some time. And I had this thought in like March and I was like, do I really want to launch a nonprofit during a pandemic? And then I had a moment of like, fuck yeah, absolutely. Like everyone is in, we're all humans. Like, let's not pretend like everyone isn't, you know, in some sense affected by this and if I can help some of those musicians at this time and beyond, um, then, you know, I'm super happy about that. But the Continuance Foundation is a nonprofit that um, 
brings you know a few different things one being um resources a community um two being you know education um but we also you know the nitty-gritty and the core of it is uh counseling and coaching for musicians um you know a lot of uh a lot of health insurance providers um one if the musician has health insurance which you and i both know a lot of them don't that's yeah um because it's just you know it's like it's not going to be provided by it just i guess it depends on like what team you have around some of them do i'm not going to speak on behalf of all of them but it's not um, necessarily a common luxury there's a lot of different structures where you can be an independent contractor you have a very small business that can't afford to have internal health insurance and then you're just on your own. And if you're on a touring budget, maybe you can't pay for your own health insurance. So it is very common yeah. for musicians not to have it. Yeah. And, and like you said, like if you're an independent contractor, really what that means is, yeah, it's your job, but they're 1099 in you at the end of the year and you're paying your health insurance on your own. Yes. You know, it's essentially it. Yeah. So um, it it's for a lot of reasons. One, I wanted to be able to help the people that came to me and said, I'm in a really bad spot. I'm, I'm depressed, anxious, OCD, whatever it may be, yeah. even substance abuse. I wanted them to be able to come to me and say, Hey, I've got this issue and I have no way of solving it. I, I, I like, I don't have health insurance. I don't have enough money to pay because health insurance is you're paying on it by yourself. Outrageous. Most of the time. Yeah. Well, um, to add and to that even too, some of it won't even yeah. mental health. Exactly. <laughs> well, and crazy. also too, it's like, I feel like that's a really easy thing to put on the back burner. It's like if you physically break your wrist, yeah, like you ha- you're going to go to the ER, like whatever. It's a broken bone. But it's like with anything going on in your mind, like you can really be struggling. But like maybe like if you don't have insurance or if you don't know that there's resources, like it doesn't feel the same as a physical ailment or something like that. So it's, it's a really weird spot to like know how and where to get help. Yep. And a lot of times it's just us showing them where to get it. Cause we've had people come to us in the last week, as a matter of fact, and say, Hey, I have health insurance. I just don't know where to turn. Can you please help? Yeah. And in those cases, it's, it's literally just us, you know, liaisoning them to, a community to um, counseling, coaching, if they can get it. Um, and, you know, another side of it is a, I have this thing called TCF Social, which is um, basically just like a community for the artists, where if you're in the Continuance Foundation program, there's an individual that's assigned to reach out to you once a week, make sure you're getting the proper care, let you know, hey, on Thursday, we have free yoga on Wednesday, there's free mindfulness meditation. Here's the link. Here's some books to read. Um, in another, you know, when COVID is over, something I'm really excited about is we're going to have the ability to, if, a, if an artist is going on tour, they give their TCF social manager their itinerary and they will sit down on a call and say, all right, so on this tour, you're going to be gone for six weeks. You've got 11 off days. What days do you want to do nothing, which is important too, sleeping, resting, and what days can we help you on? So if they say, you know what, this Monday, this Tuesday, whatever, this Friday, um, over the tour, we set them up with self-care days, which is amazing because if you've ever toured, you know how important that is. Like yeah. when you're in it every day around someone every day for someone to like be able to remove you and say, hey, I booked you uh, a massage you know, 
12 minutes away from the, from the venue. You're sleeping at a hotel tonight. Go enjoy it. I got you a yoga class or really one of the first things we ask them when they are accepted is like about their interests so that we know like, dude, I can remember being on tour and like, you know, in a random city going to a baseball game and it like being, it sounds so minuscule, but it being so important to my mental health, like doing something that had nothing to do with my job. It's just like normal life. Mm -hmm. You know, people just think about musicians as always partying and always having a good time. And a lot of them are. But at the same time, it is still their craft and it is still something that they're constantly pouring into. Yeah. So for them to be able to step away and like, you know, go to a movie, you know what I mean? Anything like that. That's kind of something I'm really excited about that, you know, obviously with COVID and everything, it won't be rolled out for a while, but that'll be that. That's something I'm pumped on. Yeah. No, that's really cool. I think just in general, um, it can be really hard and there's a lot of different sides to mental health and taking care of yourself and having a community. So it's hard for me too, because like I can't speak on it. Like I know all of the answers. I certainly know that I've been in dark places and that I've really needed my friends and I've really needed a community and I've needed to just get outside and have people help me like step away from it. But I just like the idea that you've done something We're not even like, you're not even claiming to be a pro, but you've just partnered with people who are very, very familiar with all of it and are very good at helping people and just putting any amount of that there, any amount of awareness, any amount of like, it's okay to feel fucked up and here are resources. Like that to me is something that I just really respect because you and I both firsthand know that I don't know. I think there's kind of that level of like, if you haven't been on the road, it's really easy to see tour as like magical fun vacation land forever. And don't get me wrong. There's a lot of very high highs in touring where it's super fun, but there's also challenges and demands and mental taxation that is unlike any other thing. And I, you know, after a while you can lose great bands and more seriously, like you can lose great people if they don't take care of themselves. So any amount of love and help towards anyone having better mental health is a good thing. And I I think that's cool that you targeted that and did it the way you did. I'll tell you one thing that was uh, a light bulb moment for me was um, shortly after launching it, I got a, um, I was connected with um, a, you know, a guitarist in an A-level band, very established band. Um, and it was so unbelievable for me to get on the phone with him. He was in a really tough place. He's going through a really tough time. And for me to get on the phone with him and him say, dude, he's like, I've got it made when I go on the road. He's like, my managers make sure, you know, I have a guitar tech. They make sure I have a tour manager. They make sure... You know, I'm catered like a king. They make sure I have a, you know, a bunk on the bus. I have hotels, all that. He's like, but no one has ever asked me, am I okay? He's like, no one. He's like, no, no one, no one on my team has ever said, how's your mental health? Like, you know, do you need a therapist? Like, oh, you know, I saw this is going on in your life. Like, how can I help? Like, how are you? And in the matter of 10 minutes, I had this guy, I was fortunate enough to 
get this guy into deep therapy once a week. Um, fully, fully surrounded by the foundation in our community and he's loving it. And that moment for me was everything because I thought to myself, I'm like, I mean, this is, this is, uh, this is an A-level musician who has been doing this for decades. And he, you know, no one on his team has ever asked, like, are you, are you okay? Like, yeah. how's your mental health? I know we've been touring you to death. How, are you okay? I know you've been in the studio for six months. Like, how are you holding up? You know, are you doing stuff besides, you know, recording? And are you doing stuff, you know, are you um, taking care of yourself on the road, even physically, you know? And so that to me was like worth it all. You know, that was a, that was a big moment for me. Yeah. That's cool, man. I think it's what I I sometimes find it hard to grapple the right words, but whatever it is of just, it gets really easy to get so caught up in focusing on yourself, right? Like it's hard to live life and we all have our struggles and whatever careers and whatever personal lives. So to take that second to just look outside of your own bubble and look around the people around you and just be like, Hey, are you good? is such a fundamentally basic thing that can get overlooked, but it's, and we, maybe we don't realize how much that really can help other people. Um, so I, I just, I think that that's something that I, I try to remind myself to do. And I think is remarkably helpful. I'm kind of almost watering it down. You did something a lot bigger than that, but the fundamental. No, I get it. And you're absolutely right, by the way. Like, you it is especially now more than ever people are hurting and i think you know even just a smile to someone a lot of times you just never know you really don't it's so cliche but it's so true mm-hmm. you never know what someone's going through and like you know if at times you know i mean humans are a lot about energy and like if someone's energy is putting off something that um is positive like a lot of times they're going to feed off of it you know, and of course, many a times it's more complicated that and they need actual therapy. And of course, but on a, in a general sense, you're right, dude, like we can just take care of each other more. Yeah. And I, I guess to me, it's a cool thing to be able to have you on the pod because where I, where it gets past my lane of expertise now, at least I have a homie where I'm like, anybody listening, if you're struggling on a deeper level and me just telling you to check in with your friends or having somebody check in on you isn't enough, here's a resource where there's more. And that's cool. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I made sure to focus on with a nonprofit, obviously, fundraising and um, putting together events and all that stuff is important. But the most important part is the care. And it's, the you know, we aren't able to give the care if the awareness isn't there. Mm-hmm. And to me, the awareness is so important, not only for the people that, not only for the musicians who the nonprofits targeted for, but also just like generally, like awareness is huge. And, you know, there's a couple organizations doing great stuff. You know, there's an organization called Backline who is amazing, who does, does um, uh, a similar work, you know, um, there's one called Sweet Relief, which is um, it's not so much mental health based, but we're a resource for them. You know, they're they're uh, they're amazing. Um, so there's different outlets and I would love to see more of it pop up. For yeah. me, it was important to do it because I think that in I think in a sense, um, our society is doing a better job at acknowledging mental health. But one thing that I wanted to do was 
be someone in the industry acknowledging it, which is important because our artists work as hard as we work them most of the time, right? So, you know, it's great for an artist to invest in their mental health alone, but also it was important for me to begin challenging agents, A&Rs, managers, um, whatever it may be, and saying like, hey, you know, it's great. Like business is great. Most of your artists want to tour six, seven months out of the year. That's fantastic. But you need to check in on them. You need to educate them, let them know this resource exists and other resources exist because us throwing our hands up in the air and just saying like, oh, you know, it's tough out there on the road is it's not acceptable. You know, it needs to be. um, I think that the music industry needs to be held accountable for um, making sure that, you know, sure, we can't make them do it, but we need to, at minimum, provide them with education and resources so that they can better themselves. That was very, very well said. Thanks. I I mean, dude, I I really think we just about did the thing. We stayed in our time and we covered quite, quite a lot of life. We we did. I love it, man. Um, Did I miss any crucial detail in anything that I talked about in any of the spots that we talked? Or is there anything where you're like, shit, I should have said that? Or did you have anything that you felt? No, I think uh, for me, I wanted to like be able to tell my story so people knew where I came from, you know, when I started the nonprofit, knowing yeah. my background, knowing I'm passionate about mental health myself. Um, and you're familiar and, uh, with being an artist and being on tour and you firsthand know those struggles. Absolutely. I, you know, I was out on the road touring like crazy, never sleeping, you know, arguing with my band guys, like, you know, dealing with hate on the internet, like, you know, all of this stuff, like, you know, dealing with a ton of fans saying they didn't like this new song or what, like it all, like in a sense, it's, you know, it's brutal a lot of times. So Mm -hmm. I think we covered it, man. I think the biggest thing is just to like continue to bring um, awareness to the foundation and make sure people know that it exists. You know, yes. I think it's it's really important right now and it'll be just as important coming back from all this COVID nonsense. Yeah, that's awesome. Where can people find it? Uh, the continuancefoundation.com. Cool. Uh, the Instagram is just at the continuance foundation. Cool. We post a lot of cool stuff on there. There's, um, you know, resources, there's, um, you know, we'll post if like there's an initiative or a fundraising initiative, or if we're, um, doing, you know, a free yoga or something, a lot of times we'll open it up to, uh, people outside of just musicians. So, nice. um, can keep up with everything there. Nice. And then where can people personally find you if they like this episode, if they wanted to shoot you a note or anything like that? Yeah. Um, my Instagram is just Daniel McCartney. And then on the email front, it's D McCartney at the continuance foundation.com. Awesome. Awesome. So that's cool, man. I, uh, I'm glad we finally got to do your episode. There was a lot to cover in this, but it was cool to talk about this. And, uh, you know, if anybody's else or if anybody is further interested, definitely get in touch because that's a great resource to have there. Thanks, man. And thank you for having me on. And again, I think it's, you know, more and more people need to, even if they're not having people like me on their podcast, I think it's really important for people to know and and uh, let their listeners know that resources like this do exist, you know, especially in this time. So can't thank you enough, man. I'm glad I was able to to share this with you. Dude, literally just the idea, putting the idea out there of like, if something feels wrong, it doesn't matter in what capacity, 
if something feels wrong, something can be done about it. Just that Correct. idea is so important. So Absolutely. let that be a reminder in any capacity. Yeah, I think a lot of people think it's just the way it is and that they have to kind of suffer in silence and they don't. Someone's going through something that, you know, you're going through. Someone's yeah. gone through something similar at least, you yeah. know. And I think knowing what you're going through, being educated on mental health, what is depression, what is anxiety, what is OCD, what is, you know, all that stuff was super important in my own personal journey, mental health. So um, you're exactly right, dude. Sweet. Well, again, thank you. This was a pleasure. Thanks, bro. I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Later. Late. Daniel's story, I really hope you liked it. Again, so much respect to him for everything that he's doing right now. If you did like this episode, be sure to send him a DM or a message and let him know if you are interested at all in the Continuance Foundation, if that's something that you've needed help with, if there's anything there, if you know anybody that needs help, reach out. That is what it is there for. It is so important to both of us. It was an honor to be able to talk about it with him, but really this is there to help people. So if it's something that you are interested in, seriously, reach out. With all of that said, again, thank you so much for listening. If you want to go above and beyond and help the podcast outside of sharing it with your friends, another massive thing that you can do is leaving five stars and a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps the algorithm, it helps the discovery, it serves the podcast to more people looking, and it doesn't take too long to do. So if you're down and you haven't done it, that's awesome. If you want to go above and beyond... I did open up listener support for the show, so you can go to whereareallmyfriends.com slash donate. Um, you really don't have to, but there's just things like upgrading microphones and keeping the podcast online and all that stupid stuff. So if you do want to donate to the show, it's incredibly appreciated. With that said, I'll be back next week with another episode.